Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The mayor's race has been getting most of the attention with the election just a week away. But there are also a lot of aldermanic seats open, meaning the city council could have a new look for the incoming mayor. This week, we are revisiting our series Reimagine Chicago. That's when we talk to city leaders, community members and experts to reimagine a different way to approach local government. Yesterday, we learned about why Chicago's council is even set up the way it is. A strong mayor system with 50 city council members. Today, we're taking a closer look at the role of aldermen, how they operate like ward bosses, and if it's working for the people they represent. In a few minutes, we'll hear our conversation with city council members Jeanette Taylor of the 20th Ward and Michael Rodriguez of the 22nd Ward. First, we turn to Julius L. Jones, assistant curator at the Chicago History Museum. And we started with why Chicago calls its lawmakers aldermen. The term alderman goes back to English common law. You know, in tradition, it was someone who was given province over their area and serving at the request of a chief executive or, uh, in English times, a, a king or some monarch of that sort. So if we think about contemporarily here in Chicago, the mayor as sort of a king, the aldermen sort of serve as representing the interest of their uh, constituents to that king-like figure, in our case, the mayor. So why hasn't Chicago put alderwoman or alderperson into official use? Well, I think that, again, it goes from that uh, traditional root of English common law, where it literally sort of means the elder man or the elder states person. I think that you could potentially see that change in the future, but I really think alderman was traditionally, obviously, a a gendered role. Um, It no longer is in our contemporary moment, but I think the root of that term in English language has meant that it stayed that way. So yesterday we talked to Dick Simpson, who's the former alderman of the 44th Ward and also political science professor at University of Chicago, Illinois. Now, he said that the number of aldermen has changed throughout the years. Uh, During the Civil War, we had something like 15 aldermen. At one Mm -hmm. point uh, before the 1920s, we had 70. And and Chicago Mm -hmm. now has 50, as you know. And, And some of them are quite oddly shaped, like the second ward, for instance, that resembles a lobster. So, Julius, who's in charge of creating these boundaries, and what does that process look like? Part of the reason why they're so oddly shaped is because the aldermen themselves get to redraw their boundaries, and they have their own interest in making sure that they have particular constituencies, particular groups that allow them to maintain their role and get reelected. The only sort of governing authority is that, you know, as the census is completed every decade, a state law requires that the districts be redrawn to make sure they are evenly proportioned so that every alderman is representing, you know, the same amount of people. But that's really it. Um, in the 70s and 80s, there were lawsuits, particularly during the administration of Harold Washington, around the districts being drawn to under count and underrepresent uh, racial and ethnic minorities. But 
that sort of systemic structural issue in a lot of ways has been corrected. And so you have wards that represent the racial and ethnic uh, constituency of their groups in terms of the aldermen who they elect to represent them. State law requires Chicago wards to be equitable, contiguous, and compact. Uh, But we often hear about how gerrymandering has prevented that from, from being the case. Yeah, I mean, I think you sort of look at, you know, some of these wards, just like the 14th Ward, and you can chase how its boundaries have changed over time since Alderman Burke has been in office, and you can see the boundaries moving in a very particular way. So you you can watch these wards sort of change shape in a lot of ways, and, and there are, are, you know, a host of reasons for that phenomenon. But I think the primary one is, you know, political self-preservation. You know, if you get a say in drawing your own district, you're going to draw a district that I think allows you to continue to be elected um, whenever possible. Well, depending on who you ask, uh, aldermanic privilege can be a good thing or a bad thing. Here's a bit of Dick Simpson explaining what that is. Aldermanic privilege is that uh, aldermen can usually hold up permits and certainly can deny zoning changes in their own ward simply by a request to the appropriate department or a request that their colleagues in the city council vote whichever way they want on the particular proposals. Usually they're most often related to development, but they could be other permits. That has been a cause of abuse. Most of the current cases that are going to federal court, like those around Alderman Solis and Alderman Burke, have to do with the misuse of aldermanic privilege or aldermanic prerogative, as it's sometimes called. And it doesn't help that Chicago is often named one of the most, if not the most, corrupt cities in the country. Since the 1970s, 30 aldermen have been convicted of corruption. Julius, why do you think that is? I think that it has a lot to do with power and influence and right in the fact that if you really do want something done in your ward, you you have to go through your aldermen, right? And so absolute power corrupts absolutely in a lot of instances. So the alderman sort of becomes uh, the de facto boss of his ward in that that person is allowed to sort of play favorites and, and and pick the winners and losers, as it were. Those who support the aldermen, you know, get the permits, get the construction bids, um, and those who don't are sort of punished and denied those things. So given all of that, Julius, what kind of changes then do you think could make city government run more effectively? It's fascinating because I think that you sort of see smaller city councils in a lot of places. You sort of see at-large districting in a lot of places. And, and people sort of say, well, this makes it run better. But you, there's no sort of evidence that smaller city councils run better or that getting rid of wards and, you know, electing our city council at-large would inherently make it run better. I think that in so much as people feel that this city council does not run well, I would sort of argue it's a people problem. And whether we had 50 aldermen or seven city council members, 
elected at large or cut the districts in half or what have you, I think it would not sort of change the fundamental issue at hand, which is that if you sort of believe your government is being poorly run, you have to first and foremost look at the people who you entrust to run it. Mm. That is Julius L. Jones with the Chicago History Museum. Julius, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Now, Chicago's 2019 election cycle was historic in many ways. Mayor Lori Lightfoot became the city's first black woman mayor and first LGBTQ mayor, winning out over a crowded field of 13 other candidates. 14 candidates, the most ever in the race for Chicago's top job. And there will be a runoff between the top two vote-getters. Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot throwing out the full-court press to capture votes and new endorsements. They've been crisscrossing the city, trying to drum up every last vote. With little more than 51% of the vote in, Lori Lightfoot leads with nearly 75% of the vote. We're at the Grand Ballroom here at the Chicago Hilton and Towers, where they are expecting an overflow crowd here of more than 1,600 people. It's already getting loud. We just heard chants of Lori as the polls closed at 7 o'clock. Today, you did more than make history. You created a movement for change. And the city's aldermanic races yielded stunning upsets as a swath of younger progressive candidates beat out longtime aldermen. Patrick O'Connor, one of the most senior members of the city council, and Mayor Emanuel's floor leader and the interim finance committee chair, Daniel Espada, who turned 38 yesterday, unseated incumbent Proco Joe Moreno with a resounding margin, securing 28-year incumbent Joe Moore is out. Maria Haddon absolutely took it to him tonight. She finished with 64% of the vote, beating the incumbent by over 3,100 votes. Plus, Democratic Socialists won big. Five new members were elected to office that year bringing the total of Democratic Socialists on city council to six, the most in Chicago in more than a century. The closest aldermanic race in Chicago this year is finally settled. 33rd Ward Alderman Deb Mel conceded a seat that's been in her family since 1975. Political newcomer Rosana Rodriguez-Sanchez is the fifth Democratic Socialist to join the new council. There's a lot more of us there that were not there before, which also means that people want change, that people want us there. Its chairman will be 35th Ward Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa. We're going to move the conversation to the left. We're going to fight for those things that we were elected upon. I got in that race to push the conversation way to the left, and I just happened to be the person at the end to get to the left, so... The last voice you heard there was Alderman Jeanette Taylor. She represents the 20th Ward, which covers Woodlawn, Washington Park, Englewood, and back of the yards on the city's south side. And she joins us now to discuss what it's like to be part of city council and how she's reimagining the role. Alderman Taylor, welcome back to Reset. Thank you. Good morning. How are you all? Doing well. Thanks for being here with us. Also with us is Alderman Michael Rodriguez of the 22nd Ward. That includes much of Little Village and parts of North Lawndale and Sleepy Hollow on the city's southwest sides. And he was part of the progressive wave at City Hall. Alderman Rodriguez, thanks for making the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I want to give a shout out to my residents in Vidum Park and Leclerhurst as well. Awesome. Well, I want to get right into the conversation here. But, but first, I do want to talk about the term alderman very quickly. Earlier, we talked with a historian about where the term comes from and why the city hasn't put alderwoman or alderperson 
into official use. Alderman Taylor, where do you stand on this? I'm going to the state to get a change. I should be in a world where I can identify who I feel like I am. I should be able to call myself all the woman, and that's important to me, or all the person. I should have some identity in my name, and so while I get the term alderman, it's something longstanding. I want to be called alder woman. Alderman Rodriguez, what do you think? Oh, it's definitely time for change. Um, since the get, my social media accounts have referred to me as alder person. I'm game to come up with something that's more inclusive, more engaging. And I think at the end of the day, that's that's what we should be here for. We're here to make change, and that's part of it. So you're both part of the Progressive Reform Caucus of Chicago City Council, which is it's made up of 18 sitting aldermen that are committed to creating a, quote, more just and equal Chicago. Alderman Taylor, you're also a Democratic Socialist, so I'm curious how you viewed an alderman's role before you ran for and were elected to office back in 2019? So I view the alderman's role as people who make $150,000, who get great health care and free dental, and they mistreat the people that they're paid to represent. And I didn't want to get in the space to do that. I used to say, I don't get into politics, but politics is getting to all of us because you have people who don't have a clue at the legislation they're creating and how it hurts communities. And so I wanted to be an organizer in this space so that we organize around what people in our community want to see and what they want to be a part of. And I'm a part of a bunch of caucuses. The Black Caucus, of course, because I'm a black woman and I love Black Chicago. The Socialist Caucus, because I believe in public power. And the Progressive Caucus, because I want this city to progress. I'm also a part of the Women's Caucus because I'm a woman and the women in this city definitely to show younger women how to do this job and they can be anything they want to be, just changing the dynamic. And so these caucuses are important because they help you belong and they help you find a space to talk about issues that are important to you. And to my community, they're all important. Alderman Rodriguez, what can you add to that conversation there? What were your thoughts about an alderman's role? So I think it's a great question. And I'd like to give you context. Here in the 22nd Ward, on the southwest side of Chicago, we've had an independent political organization since 1983, going on 38 years here. And I wasn't a part of the organization at its founding, but I certainly understand its history. Made up of a group of black and brown and progressive white individuals, lots of folks in the labor movement, and also the immigrant rights and women's rights movements, came together and fought against the local machine here in the 22nd Ward that uh, was dominant for years. And our founding president, uh, Rudy Lozano, ran for office, almost won or almost forced a runoff and was assassinated after his run. We believe it had a lot to do with his progressive politics, his thinking into the future. But our movement didn't stop. And we subsequently ran Jesus Chuy Garcia for alderman here in the 22nd Ward, and he won. And we subsequently have you know, won a number of the races, particularly in the last 10 years, bringing a more progressive representation to the Southwest side. But really, it is about representation. You know, the the way our organization started was garbage was being picked up in other wards twice a week, whereas we were getting garbage picked up every other week. And we knew we needed an alderman who was from the community and for the community. Is that why you wanted to run for this position? Yeah, you know, I think carrying on that banner of representation from the community you know, I've, I've lived in the 22nd Ward all my life, or all the life that I can remember. I, I, I hear uh, when I was about one, I was, on, I was a, 
I was elsewhere. <laughs> um, but everything I can remember is here in the neighborhood. You know, grew up in the local parishes, did my first communion confirmation here. And my first job in college was, was at the park district here in the neighborhood and have since worked here in the community doing community development and, and some elements of community organizing. Alderman Taylor, as a longtime organizer, you're actually known for your role in leading a hunger strike that led to the reopening of Diet High School on the South Side. Um, I want to play a little bit of your testimony before the Chicago Board of Education back in 2015. I've been on a hunger strike for 10 days so that my kids could be educated. You all talk about parents don't participate and parents are not part of the process. I've been on a local school council since I was 19. I'm 40. Thursday, I'll, it'll be my 12-day hungry, and I'm going to be at an LSC meeting facilitating it. I should not be hungry in 2015 over a neighborhood high school that is supposed to belong to the community. You actually collapsed after testifying that day, and you were on strike for actually 30 days. Now, fast forward, you're the alderman of the 20th Ward. Mm -hmm. The last three aldermen before you were indicted for wire fraud, bribery, other charges. And you've said it was because they weren't listening to the community. How are you trying to do things differently? So I don't move without my community. I have a community development team that helps me decide what projects I give support to. I meet with them on a monthly basis. We're doing virtual because of COVID. I definitely allow the community to have it say so, and I'm listening. And I'm bringing groups of folks who've never worked together together. And so that's the organizer in me. And that's hard because everybody wants something different or and everybody don't see each other at the same level. Whoever I get to see on the street gets my personal cell number. And so how many electives do that? Not many. Do you think that you've been able to build trust with your constituents since being elected? Of, of course, because I, I go for my community. I go against the grain all the time. I'm not an elected that has a lot of friends. I wasn't friends with them before I got there. As a matter of fact, I cussed half of them out before I got to city council. As a matter of fact, I was banned from city hall. They had my picture up. Wow. So how funny is it I come back and the white shirt that is there says, hey, haven't seen you in a long time. What you doing here? And now I'm you're, like, now you're part now. of the team. Yeah. And, and he falls out laughing. I even got pictures of him putting me out of City Hall. So wow. it's bittersweet for me. Full circle. Alderman Rodriguez, based on your experience on city council so far, what do you think is working well with the system and, and what needs to change? Wow. Um, that's a loaded question. First of all, I just want to recognize Alderwoman Taylor. I, you know, I'm an admirer. I remember taking my then six-year-old daughter to knock on yeah. doors for her in the runoff. And I, I got to admit, that spirit that you have is so energetic. And like, I get a lot from it. I love working with you. Thank you. You know, on city council now, we've had a little bit of success moving the ball. I, I was very proud to be a part of legislation that mandated predictive scheduling early on in the tenure here. We've done some good stuff, but, you know, I'm a little frustrated at politics as usual. And I'll point to an example. Look at police oversight. We have groundbreaking legislation that's been put together by two amazing community-based coalitions in GAPA and CPAC. And, you know, that legislation can't see the light of day. You know, we've got a long way to go. I think there's been some good reforms. I, I don't think it's okay to be able to shake people down for driveway permits, as one of my neighboring aldermen has done in the past. I think, you know, that needs to be reformed. But we also need to be careful. I think that there can be overreach. The fact is local aldermen need to be held accountable by their local communities. So I, I do believe in checks and balances. 
just going after aldermanic prerogative will not do it. We need to have right. real checks and balances where community has the say-so as well. And there's a lot okay. of engagement from community residents. I'll give the last word to you, Alderman Taylor. I want to be in a city where we don't work in silos, because that's actually what's wrong with the city. We don't work together. We do one-offs, and it has not worked and ever. It just doesn't work in politics. And so I want us to get to the place where Alderman, the mayor's office, and the citizens actually work together where we make this city somewhere we're proud. I'm born, raised, and bred it in the city of Chicago, and I love it. And I'll fight for it until the day I die. But we got to get to a place where if it's not a good, good enough for one set of constituents, it shouldn't be good enough for another. And that's the city that I want to work and be a part of. Whether I agree with you or not, I'm never going to compromise my own morals and principles, but I'm being, I will be willing to listen. And it's a thing called compromise. And in this work, compromise is the word. That's Alderman Jeanette Taylor of the 20th Ward and Alderman Michael Rodriguez of the 22nd Ward. Thank you both for being with us today. Thank You're you. welcome. Thanks for having us. This episode of Reset was produced by Stephanie Kim, who also edited this episode along with Ethan Schwab. Get your essential election news in every episode of our Reimagine series by subscribing to our podcast. And when you do, leave us a rating and review so more listeners can find our show. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you this afternoon. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.